this is for professional and institutional clients only. How do we make a workplace that's welcoming and inclusive for everyone? Sort of regardless of their background, their experiences, ethnicity, race, religion, gender, sexual orientation. Welcome to the Igneo Infrastructure Partners podcast, Keeping It Real Assets. In this series, you will hear from the Igneo investment team in conversation with the leaders of our global infrastructure businesses. We will shine a light on how they operate and their approach to the challenges of an ever-changing world. We hope that you enjoy listening. Welcome to this episode of Keeping It Real Assets. This is the first in a series of short episodes highlighting case studies from Igneo's 2022 ESG report. Today's discussion highlights one of our minimum standards, namely diversity. My name is Gavin Kerr. I'm a managing director in Igneo Infrastructure Partners. I've been with the business for nine years and for the last six on the board of First Gas. In this episode, I'm sitting with Paul Goodeve, CEO of First Gas. Paul is a passionate advocate of diversity and has led the business since 2016. That's my pipiha or an introduction in Māori in New Zealand. I've introduced myself by reference to where I'm from, talking about the name of my river or the river I associate with. And my mountain, Kaharanaki, which is a high peak in Hawke's Bay on the east coast of New Zealand. If you were from New Zealand, my PPR would let you know where I'm from and give you a real good idea about how I connect to society. And uh, it's a really important bit about letting people know where you're from and so you can connect more properly with them. I've had the good fortune to be CEO of First Gas since its creation or inception First Gas Group owns a range of companies. We run the gas transmission and distribution network across the North Island of New Zealand. We also run a gas storage facility and Rock Gas, which is a national LPG distributor. And just a month ago, at the end of March 2023, we purchased an electricity distribution company. We have about 400 staff spread right across the whenua, right across New Zealand. Today, we'll be talking about First Gas's many actions that are building diversity. And to your credit, First Gas is a leader in prioritising diversity, equity and inclusion. This has been particularly challenging because you operate in an industry known for an ageing, male-dominated demographic. And under your leadership, First Gas has rolled out an apprenticeship program focused on diversity, an award-nominated in-house employee health and wellbeing campaign, and an inclusiveness program called Building Belonging. We have a great staff in our core gas distribution transmission business. We have a cohort of staff that are absolutely fantastic. I think there's a term that people use, they call them pipeliners. And they're people who you know will get out of their beds on a rainy, cold, muddy Tuesday in the (laughs) middle of winter and roll around in the mud and fix things that need to be fixed and do things that need to be done and just keep the gas supply on. 
but they are very reflective of the era in which this company grew up. Many of our traditional staff members, and certainly when we first arrived, had 20 or 30 years of experience, but they were exclusively male. There had never been a female field technician. There had never been a female blue-collar worker in the history of the organisation. In New Zealand, we have this concept of mana or respect. So if you want to be respectful of yourself as a person, I think you need to treat others with respect. Diversity and inclusion fundamentally to me is a matter of respect. I think there's also significant business benefit from diversity. It's really clear to us as an organisation that a diverse group is much, much better at solving complex challenges. Having different input and different ways of thinking is really important to us. You've certainly demonstrated your commitment to change by implementing a number of diversity and inclusion programs. Can you provide some colour on some of the programs and perhaps share some success stories? When we first started, our diversity and inclusion programs began with the challenges that we're having about attracting great applicants for our apprenticeship roles. And it was very clear that we were getting zero female applicants for our apprenticeship roles. And so we were like, how can we get better applicants? And so we did a project to improve this. And it started us thinking more widely about how we support our existing workforce and make us an organisation that's more attractive to others. Out of that, we began a programme that we called Building Belonging. is about making and maintaining relationships. The relationships create a sense of belonging, obligation, support. And it's about the process by which we create our relationships amongst ourselves and encouraging the dignity and worth of others. Like I said earlier, we had never had a female blue-collar worker in our organisation. We were looking out for five new apprentices, and we approached the project like a campaign. We got a project manager, we got people involved. We looked at the wording of our advertising. We tried to remove as much of the gender-specific elements to it to give it broader appeal. We thought about our benefits program, and we thought, how can we create employment package that offers flexible working, good work-life balance, recognises that people are at different stages in their lives and responds appropriately to that. And then I guess we went out and we door-knocked in effect. We went out and we spoke to a lot of female schools. We held open days for potential apprenticeship applications. And then we thought really carefully about how we actually did our recruitment. And we created a more team-oriented situation for determining who we would choose. We were not as focused on individual workers. We're looking for team workers and we're looking for people who would fit into our team. And through that process, we actually ended up that 60% of our apprentice intake were female. How do we make a workplace that's welcoming and inclusive for everyone? And sort of regardless of their background, their experiences, ethnicity, race, religion, gender, sexual orientation. We've been really careful to try to think about the framework to that program. We've sort of established key messages early and have been quite purposeful in communicating that the concept of belonging is underpinned by our company values and that this program is about bringing it to life. It's one of those things that is relatively difficult to measure 
the output quantitatively, but we have seen a significant increase in the number of female employees across our organisation over the last three years. Positively too, I think that that is reflecting into the market and we're seeing a more diverse range of applicants for our roles against all aspects of diversity. And the staff that we do have are staying with us longer and generally reporting a higher degree of engagement with their roles than other similar organisations that we benchmark ourselves against within the industry. I remember your focus on gender diversity also increased the focus on gender parity. What are the key elements of gender parity you've addressed and what results have been achieved? As I said at the start, we had a very low representation of female field workers in particular, but also in some of the professional roles within our organisation. And really we had a lot of, I'd call them kind of soft barriers to that. And we've worked really hard to try to remove those barriers. We've removed all the gender language in our advertisements and in our job advertisements and made sure that we engage with guidance instructors and career advisors at female schools as well as male schools so that school leavers are aware of the opportunities that we offer. And then we've done simple things like we've changed our uniforms. So we've made our uniforms more gender neutral so that people don't feel that they can't fit in. Really at the heart of it is we've gone back and we've had to think about the roles that we have in the organisation and we've asked ourselves what are the skills that we actually require for our roles and how might those historic things that we say like must have 20 years experience in the oil and gas industry or a decade of fitting and turning experience, how has those requirements been barriers to people? I mean, if you say someone needs to have a decade of experience in fitting and turning, you are only going to get male applicants because that is an industry or that is a skill that is predominantly male. So we go, here's a requirement. I would hate male or females, but males only apply because it's an experience level that only males will have. And by thinking more clearly about the expertise that the roles require, we've been able to rewrite our job requirements more clearly or more carefully reflect the skills that are actually required. And so we have actually recruited four females into relatively senior technical roles who've come from different industries, brought different sorts of skills because we've said, oh, actually, look, you don't need a decade of fitting and turning experience. You don't need 20 years in the oil and gas industry. And what we found is that they brought great skills and they brought a different way of thinking to how we do things. Uh, we also have a project which is part of the Building Belonging. It's called What Brings Us Together. And that's really a series of discussions and other conversations across the organisation about what the common elements we have, even though we are different, that weave us all together and connect us. Whilst people come from different backgrounds and have different genders and different histories, actually the large elements of commonality, and that's an important way to connect people together. One of the things that really I think is quite important is that we have a very high level of employee engagement. And what that tells me is that a significant majority of the people that work at First Gas think that this is a good place to work and think that they would like to stay here and would recommend working here to their colleagues and friends and family. And I think that's a really strong statement about people feeling that they belong in this organisation. But like I said, it's the start of a longer change piece and the journey will just go on and on. 
Paul, thanks very much for joining me today to talk about diversity. There's obviously still much to do, as you say, but you've done really well getting First Gas on the right path to continuous improvement. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Real Assets, the Igneo Infrastructure Partners podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to more by following Igneo Infrastructure Partners on your favourite podcast platform. If you'd like to find out more about Igneo Infrastructure Partners, you can visit our website at igneoip.com. This podcast series was produced by Mark Gardner at OX4 Sound Studio. This podcast is not a financial promotion and has been prepared for general information purposes only. It is not intended to be investment or financial advice and does not take into account the specific investment objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. References to specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell such securities. Investment vehicles managed by Igneo Infrastructure Partners are only available to institutional investors, professional investors, qualified investors and wholesale clients. They are not available to retail clients, the general public, private customers or any persons in any jurisdiction in which their distribution is not authorised. Igneo Infrastructure Partners is an unlisted infrastructure asset management business and is part of the First Sentier Investors Group. We communicate and conduct business through different legal entities in different locations. Please refer to the notes section of the podcast platform you use for more information on Igneo Infrastructure Partners in your region. For Singapore only, the podcast should be used in accordance with the applicable laws in Singapore. In Singapore, the podcast is issued by First Sentier Investors Singapore, whose company registration number is 196900420D. This advertisement or material has not been reviewed by the Monetary Authority of Singapore. First Sentier Investors Registration Number 53236800B and Igneo Infrastructure Partners Registration Number 53447928J are business divisions of First Sentier Investors Singapore.